We're going to start tonight's episode with a trigger warning. While Late Night Cage Fight is namely a comedy podcast, as in we are viewing Nick Cage's career through a comedic lens, the movie, Leaving Las Vegas specifically, deals with issues of rape, prostitution, and severe alcoholism, and we will be talking about them. These are serious issues, and our goal is not to make light of them. If you are a sexual assault victim in the U.S. and needing to speak with someone, the National Sexual Assault Hotline is available 24 hours and can be reached at 1-800-656-4673. And the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration's hotline is also available 24-7 and can be reached at 1-800-662-HELP. As a side note, if any of these seem like more than you guys are really looking for, but just want someone to talk to, um, our Facebook Messenger is always open, and while none of us are experts in this field, we are all more than willing to talk to you if you need it. Thanks, Steve. That's a really, really thoughtful thing to say. By the way, how was your Thanksgiving? Um, Bad. Bad one. No, I'm just kidding. It, it, it was pretty good. That's just usually my son's response to everything, regardless. Oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. Bad. Yeah. It's, until you hear it 20 times a day. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was pretty good. I turned out some good meals. I had some friends come over uh, Friday morning, mm-hmm. and me being the weirdo that I am, I asked them when they came over uh, if they could also bring a sampling of their Thanksgiving meals, mm-hmm. uh, just so I can taste a little bit of what they have. And then it kind That's of cool. kind of sparked this idea that I want to start that as a tradition. Oh. Everybody hates having a week's worth of leftovers to eat, mm-hmm. but if you were to swap them out with other people's, you'd have a variety of sides. Or slight variations in, like, how you cooked your, your turkeys or whatever. I mean, it mm-hmm. would be good. You make up, you know, a little uh, to-go container for all your friends, and then yeah. you've got a week's worth of different leftovers. Yeah. Great idea. So, yeah. You just heard from Cage Fighter Steve. He's our in-house uh, pig fan with Nicholas Cage. That's he right. The biggest fan. Um, our in-house chef as well. Uh, we've also got Cage Fighter Sean. Tell us about your Thanksgiving. Was it nice? Was it naughty? It was nice. Uh, it, we had a nice ham. Uh, we don't eat turkey because, uh, you know, as you know, um, the government replaced all birds with surveillance drones. Uh, that makes sense. Many years ago, you, and uh, you know, I can't ingest metal personally. You so. bring this That's up. Are you allergic? Are you allergic? Uh, to metal, yes. Okay. Uh, actually. Um, you know, I'm just making sure you're allergic, and it wasn't one of those like I have a an allergy to mm-hmm. to robotic birds. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Well, well, as you, as you may know, um, aluminum uh, can be very damaging to uh, humans. Uh, actually, uh, historically, the original actor that played the Tin Man in um, the original uh, Wizard of Oz. 
Wizard of Oz uh, died from uh, the aluminum dust that was in his makeup. So, uh, is that a fact? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I wouldn't know. Is that I've heard so many wild stories about the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he he. Uh, it actually MGM the execs were were pissed off because he was in an iron lung, and they were like, "He can't be in an iron lung. He needs to be on set." <laughs> wow. So, uh, moral of the story: uh, don't don't eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Don't eat any kind of fowl or just just uh, turkey. Chicken. What what's fowl? Like a foul ball? No, never mind. Why are just, you making Why are you making references to sports ball? Well, because we're talking. Again, we're going to be talking about story. the Angels soon. That's not Angels oh, in, the yeah, outfield. in the Angels outfield. In the outfield. Yeah. Well, I'm Cage Fighter Reese. I had a pretty routine Thanksgiving, so I'm not going to bore you with with all my details you know we had a nice quaint meal uh my kids were happy my wife was happy i was happy and so thankful and we hope you all listening had a nice thanksgiving as well tonight we are talking about two incredible cage-tastic movies city of angels versus leaving las vegas i believe that none of us had seen these movies i hadn't had you guys I had not. I so I think I had seen City of Angels a number of times. Okay. Uh, I feel like I'd, I've watched it like beginning to end probably about two or three times, and I've definitely caught it on like TV or other people watching it or something, and like bits and pieces in the middle probably a dozen times on top of that. So I was really familiar, and it was kind of almost nostalgic to me to watch. But okay. leaving Las Vegas was a brand new experience, yeah. but it did remind me of another film. Oh, did it? Yeah. 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 Uh, Honeymoon in Vegas? Requiem for a Dream. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. If you watched <laughs> Requiem for a Dream followed by Leaving Las Vegas, I think... Yeah, you'd need medical help. You might have to go talk to somebody. Yeah. Man. So we are going to discuss City of Angels first. It actually came out after Leaving, leaving Las Vegas, which came out in 1995. City of Angels stars Nick Cage as Seth and Meg Ryan as Dr. Maggie Rice. It was a Warner Brothers film. PG-13 was the rating. It is a romance, forbidden romance tale with a supernatural edge. Um, For Meg Ryan, this was really when, in my opinion, she was nearing the peak of her career as the 90s blue-eyed poster girl. She really took off with Sleepless in Seattle in 1993 with Tom Hanks. City of Angels was released in April 1998, followed by You've Got Mail. That was the big movie from when I was a kid with Meg Ryan. That came out in December, again opposite Tom Hanks. The first one you said, uh, Sleepless Mm -hmm. in Seattle, was that also a romantic comedy? Yes. Okay. The same same general plot. I have seen up with it. Meg Ryan. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, was, that was the goal in the nineties. Yeah. Right. I mean, I rightfully so. She was kind of like the the tomboy mm. girl to get, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then yeah. you've got mail was just the same thing, except with uh, AOL product placement. Right. Yeah. Equally as creepy. <laughs> I bet that movie is hilarious to go back to now. I've actually never <laughs> seen it, but I can only imagine what kind of like yeah. weird early 90s tech dialogue they have. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. I remember the AOL Instant Messenger days. I was just dreaming of randomly chatting with Meg Ryan. Next is Leaving Las Vegas. This was Cage's Academy Award win for Best Actor. Like I said, came out in 1995. Hard R rating, my friends. I thought this was a movie that my grandparents and I could watch together. It, it definitely is not. Yeah, I feel bad for Mimo. She is not doing well. She'll have to watch After watching again. that movie, I just, I mean, she's just been crying uncontrollably for the last three days. Oh, she watched yeah. it ahead of this show? Yeah, when she watched it with, with you. You said this was a movie to watch with I your grandparents? No, I didn't. I did not watch Jesus. it with grandparents. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Nick Cage plays Ben Sanderson. Um, I think he's like the long-lost brother of the Sanderson sisters. Um, Sarah is played by Elizabeth Shue. It is a dark-ass drama slash romance written by writer-director-composer Mike Figgis. It was adapted from a novel a biographical novel by John O'Brien who actually committed suicide two weeks after they started filming. So it has a a dark backstory to it. Nick Cage at this time, he's coming off the heels of Kiss of Death, another one of uh, Cage Fighter Steve's absolute favorites. Um, You might might recognize Elizabeth Shue from Back to the Future Parts 1 and 2 and Adventures in Babysitting. Man, that's going back for me but I have seen those. But before we dive into the movies, Steve, do you have any Nick Cage news? I don't. I tried looking around and I couldn't find anything more recent than his his arrest in uh, Las Vegas back in September. Um, Oh my goodness. I think he's just been kind of Planet low key and uh, yeah. getting ready for the holidays, just like the rest of us. You know, they, they weren't they weren't filming a Leaving Las Vegas too. No, 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 no. Uh, it was a uh, Val Val renewal in Vegas. Mm. Yeah, it's a sequel to Honeymoon in Vegas. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's dive right in then, fellas. You ready to talk about? Are you ready to talk about? City of Angels? Uh, Sean? Yeah. In a place called the City of Angels. One of us. Dr. Rice. Go, 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 go. 300. Is about to meet one of them. Have you ever been seen, Cassio? Have you ever been seen like you were a man? Come on, don't do this. He's going. He's not going anywhere. That doctor in the operating room. She looked right at me. She didn't see you, Seth. She can't see you. No one can see you unless you want them to. And if I want her to? Why do you want her to? Hello, Maggie. How did you know my name? Are you in despair? I lost a patient. It wasn't your fault, Maggie. Those eyes. The way you looked right, right down into me. I can't see you, but I know you're there. Who are you? Nathaniel Messenger, former celestial body, recent addition to the human race. You want proof? You can speak every language. You travel with the speed of thought. And you're reading my mind right now. Stop that. You're doing it. Here you are again. This is Earl. He told me. (laughs) What else does he tell you? He worries that you never sleep and he loves to see you smile. (laughs) 
I wait all day just hoping for one more minute with you, and I don't even know you. What do you want to know? Are you married? No. Are you homeless? No. Are, are you a drummer? Seth knows what we hear. He hears music at the sunrise, but he'd give it all up. He loves you that much. What's that taste like? You don't know what a pear tastes like? I don't know what a pear tastes like to you. Seth, are you here? I want to see you. I think you should probably just uh, cue the uh, the seal music. Yeah, Kiss by a Rose? Yeah, because that's, that's clearly where the... Um, fashion choices were pulled directly from for this movie they they thought that yeah, they, they they really wanted to update the classic angel uh garb for the 90s <laughs> i can't think of a word to describe it i don't know kitsch is that a good word maybe not it's what year kitsch what year did the matrix come out oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> was it 97 or 99 it's a good question. Yeah, someone but, someone will tell us, but not, I don't think it was out yet. Yeah, I yeah, felt like it was later. I didn't even think it was '90s for some reason, but might have been '99. Yeah, yeah, but every angel is just dressed in a sleek black trench coat. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I thought of the movie Dark City. There's these these uh, characters that all wear the trench coats yeah so it's it's not like this movie at all so so uh what is city of angels about well i'll tell you <laughs> nicholas cage plays seth an angel who directs spirits of the recently deceased to the ever after like dude where were you in beetlejuice Maitland, party at you. take the handbook and go to the sixth door <laughs> In a Los Angeles hospital, Seth falls in love with a human heart surgeon, Dr. Maggie Rice, played by Meg Ryan, a brilliant doctor who is devoted to her patients. As an angel, Seth is unable to experience certain human senses, such as touch, taste, and the Nick Cage patented orgasm. Maggie is also reeling from the humiliation of having had a patient die on her operating table, uh, something she apparently never expected could happen to her for some reason. I was a little confused why. She's the best. Okay, she's the best. Nobody dies on her OR. Um, Seth meets another patient, Nathaniel Messenger, played by Dennis Franz, a.k.a. NYPD Blue Guy. Nathaniel reveals that he, too, was once an angel who chose to fall to Earth and become human so that he could experience the fullness of being alive before ultimately succumbing to the inevitable pain and suffering that awaits all mortals. Seth thinks this sounds like a pretty good deal, so he jumps like Birdie off a building and becomes human in order to fully be with Maggie. Uh, However, not everything turns out the way he expects in this light-hearted supernatural comedy romance with Hollywood heartthrob Meg Ryan. That's the basic plot. What did you guys think? How was Cage? Cage had some Joe Biden levels of creeping at the beginning of this movie. Oh my god. He was just yeah. he was just coming up 
behind and sniffing some <laughs> some air traffic controllers and some so so oh, that's the thing God. you know people become aware that there are angels who can watch you they're voyeurs you know they watch what you do at any given time and then but in when they when they discover this they don't change their habits i thought that was kind of odd I, I told you, I have a theory on this movie, and I think that you guys totally missed the point. That's fine. That's fine. Um, you, and you want to wait till we go through the movie to express that? I mean, yeah, probably a little bit. It's, okay. it's pretty in-depth. All right. Well, I guess we should just uh, rush through this so we can get to Steve's theory. No, don't rush. All right. Well, what, what got me is uh, Meg Ryan is apparently so beautiful, so drop-dead gorgeous, that an angel falls in love with her, knowing that... I mean, the angels... There's a lot that that isn't shown from the supernatural side of the movie, and I, I get that it's not really necessary, but for someone like me who isn't really into the romantic comedy genre, that's more of what I'm thinking about. What are the rules of the spiritual world? Is it fully Christian? Is it, you know, like a religious idea that we haven't fully grasped? Is it just like a universal, yeah, you go to heaven and there's angels, non-denominational angels that watch you. But uh, Steve is going to get into this later. I understand. Right? Is that what you mean? Your theory? Uh, no, it's it's way different. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but, but like, don't these angels, this is my big question, don't these angels experience multiple lifetimes of humans, you know, generations after generations? So why, how can one human, that's the romantic part, isn't it? You're willing to give up eternity. I guess you're just not... I, I don't really understand what it is that you're giving up, though. I don't understand if you... Because you're not giving up eternity, right? Humans are just as eternal. Yeah, yeah, in a sense. So you're but really not a, giving up anything. I think... Oh, man. Other we're than, getting, like, We're getting job. into the... <laughs> you're, like, you're just quitting <laughs> yeah. your job. Yeah, you're going to get it back eventually. No. Yeah, that's the thing to... Because you're you not a worker. A, human, he says in the beginning, humans can't yeah. become angels. Oh, that's right. You're right. So angels yeah. can fall, so there's no going back. become human, and then just chill. So it's like, you get tired yeah. of working? Are you tired of, of taking lives? All you gotta yeah. do is kill yourself, and then you don't <laughs> have to do it anymore. Yeah. I did yeah. notice a subtlety in how Cage played being an angel versus when he finally became human yes you could you could tell that because angels they always just kind of seem like they're in this ethereal state mm -hmm. like they they always have like a sense of joy and and early on in the movie they I forget what it did they ever name Nick's one Yes. Friend Angel. Yeah. His yeah. Angel. His, uh, his name is... Well, the actor is, is Dennis Franz, right? No, I don't know. No, 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 no. That's no. the old dude. Uh, Cassio. Cassio. That's yeah, it. so early on in the movie, 
Seth and Cassiel are are sitting on top of a uh, a Los Angeles uh, highway sign, and the, and yeah. Nick's essentially just fantasizing about getting a mortal hand job or whatever the fuck he was. <laughs> yeah. Just like, what is, what is touch like? Right, right. Taste water. Read a newspaper. To lie. Through your teeth. <sighs> to feed the dog. Touch her hair. What are you waiting for? So they that's the whole thing, right? Experience. They just they don't have a sense of touch or yeah. they don't have any senses. Cause he mentioned things like color later mm-hmm. on and smelling and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious if they didn't really have like any senses. Yeah. It makes you think, wouldn't it be more interesting if they'd uh, shot the angel sequences in a kind of black and white? Yeah. But then it would be kind of confusing, I guess, when they're interacting with, you know, I guess have some kind of visual cue. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought this up, actually, because I felt like for me, for this movie to work better, they should have actually backed off with the supernatural part of it and just left that more of a mystery rather than the uh, SEAL music video dudes in trench coats have to meet at dawn to have like a rave for God. (laughs) So I I, I do... I do want to make one note that I think is interesting throughout this movie. Um, mm-hmm. The the overusage of the word messenger, right? He yes, mentions that his yes. job is a messenger. Uh, yes. the, the Nathaniel, the guy name. that had fallen previously, his last name is Messenger. Messenger, uh, in Greek, the word for messenger is angelos. Mm. So wow. it's supposed to be a play on, on angels. Okay, okay. Yeah, And you see, that that's the other thing, too. When the movie first starts and you see Nick Cage, who we, we will talk more about very soon, uh, when, when you see him interacting with people, it's, or I should say just spying on people, they're people who are dying or who are about to die. And it made you think, oh, if Nick Cage shows up, that means that somebody is going to die soon. Yeah. Right. So basically I thought, oh, he's an angel of death. But then later they also established that angels have the power. They can't feel anything, but they can touch humans. And it has like an uplifting, positive effect on them somehow. Yeah, or so like they can calming interact. or something. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting because like, I thought maybe they were breaking their own rule about how if Nick Cage is there, somebody has to die. But they kind of added a little more nuance to that, which I appreciated. Yeah. So essentially angels are just... UPS drivers for souls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Nick Cage doesn't really have to do a whole lot of expressions in this role because the angels are are a little bit they're they're not very expressive. And he's more of he's more of like a confused alien, I would say. <laughs> the way that he approaches the character of Seth. He's really trying to understand but there's obviously this romantic part of him that uh can't he can't deny it's like this little human spark within him that causes him to stalk uh meg ryan for the remainder of this film and i i think one of the reasons why his character falls in love with meg ryan's character i don't think it's so much her beauty i think it's more yeah the the empathy that she shows for her patience and her exactly. will to want to, you know, do do what's best for them and to heal them. And, right. Uh, yeah. 
I also want to say that for me, the beginning of this movie was was really powerful. Uh, I haven't seen in too many movies. I mean, you know, the first scene of this movie, I think, is uh, a kid dying. And the way that they did it was very realistic. The parents are desperately trying to save the life of their kid. The kid, you know, is rushed to the hospital and you hear what the doctors are saying you can hear what the readings are they're not good and just you know me being someone with kids is something that you never want to have to experience and that just got me in in the mood right there like oh man this is going to be heavy and then you have the whole operating scene where meg ryan's character dr rice they they show they really show this procedure you know they spend a lot of time showing them performing it and you get to see her skill but then the patient still dies and not you aren't just left with that. Then you have to experience the next scene of her going into the waiting room and telling the family of this man who died that he died. And it was, again, very realistic. And I thought that Meg Ryan's acting was pretty spot on. I was impressed. But that's also, gotta be, That's got to be a very difficult part of that job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For the lack of what you see of Meg Ryan nowadays, I mean, definitely at that time period, I was always really impressed with her acting. Mm hmm. But whoever did the lighting, too, I feel like every scene with Meg Ryan, they made sure she looked good. Oh, yeah. I don't know yeah. if you noticed that. I mean, yeah. they made sure that she she was top notch, beautiful. So, you know, they did like close ups of the eyes and stuff. And I was like, That's, okay, that was you know. Nick. Nick said, I don't want no ghost. Make sure she looks good. <laughs> Maybe you should do your hair a little more like this. I don't like that. It's more my style. Um, oh man, do you remember when Dennis Franz's character, uh, Mr. Messenger, makes the comment about her breasts? Yeah. I was like, oh, that would not fly today. Right. Basically, she she she. You don't need a handful. Oh, she's pretty. Like oh, a little flat wow. chested, but hey, hey. And then and then. Uh... Nathaniel just like goes and just like I'm just gonna hang dong in front of all these angels. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have uh Yeah, there's some skinny dipping. Yeah. Nick gets to sit on top of a giant cowboy, uh, which looks like it's uh you know, cut out in in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> I forgot about that shot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did want to say that I I might need to save this, but I don't think that a lot of this movie aged well. But I think viewing it at that time, I can understand why it was a hit. This was a very successful movie, as was Leaving Las Vegas, as we already know. I mean, it did it did have that uh, ASPCA commercial in in towards the end. Oh, the the music is uh, just fantastic. It's so '90s. There's a lot of like slow motion shots. It's uh, so on the nose. Some of the songs that they picked. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess uh, obviously we're gonna do spoilers. I mean, if you haven't seen these movies, go watch them. But Nick Cage decides to become human, okay? Because the other angel dude was like, "Yo, you can totally just jump off a building. Just trust me." jump off the building and say I want to be a human in your head and you'll become a human you jump off a bridge you leap out a window you just make up your mind to do it and you, you do it 
And Nick Cage does it to be with Meg Ryan, who is... <laughs> Meg Ryan's already got a boyfriend, bro. You know? Mm-hmm. He's trying to... He's becoming a human to steal her away from this other doctor. He's a simp. Exactly. But I, we get some of the best Nick Cage scenes right after he awakens as a human, which is basically he looks the same but with some blood on him. And he's on a construction site, totally realistic. Realistic. The guys on the construction site are just like, hey, this guy just jumped off a roof. Hey, buddy, you can't be there. Little cameo from Nick Offerman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he, he keeps stalking Meg Ryan. First, she's confused. I guess we should talk about that because she doesn't want to believe that he's an angel. But she, he begins to appear to her and try to convince her into having angel sex. Before that, he gets jumped for his shoes. Oh, yeah, after he becomes a human. Yeah, I, to me, it when he becomes a human, it's just so kind of... Everything that happens, you expect to happen because they're trying to show how much it's, it can suck to be a human, the bad side. And then, then they just, uh, no pun intended, hit you with a freaking freight truck. She didn't look both ways. Yeah, Meg Ryan's character is killed in broad daylight, riding her bicycle. By... With her eyes closed. Yeah, she was in the moment. Hey, she looked pretty good, though, having been hit head-on by a truck. Are you ready? What? Yeah, Are you ready for the truth? Give me the truth. Okay. This movie was not a romantic comedy whatsoever. This movie was a con artist movie. Uh-huh. The entire time, Mag Ryan was playing a con artist, and she was long conning our boy Nick. You're saying she didn't die? No. No. Not at all. I'm saying that the reality happened that an angel appeared before her. And she questioned it as a scientist, which is what she would do in that role. She would not respond emotionally. She would respond as as a scientist. Clearly a very successful, very dedicated scientist. So <laughs> she did her research. <laughs> when she realized this, if you remember early on in the movie, she was starting to realize she was really creeped out by him at first, but also kind of intrigued and kind of like, mm-hmm. you know what? This dude might have some good crazy sex vibes. We'll give it a shot. Yeah. All right. Fuck it. I hang on to crazies for that reason only. Again, mm-hmm. doctor kind of thing to do. It is. That's it true. Is. So. Moving forward, she starts catching on to this whole supposed angel thing. Starts doing experiments to prove it. Mm -hmm. Realizes that it's true. Once she realizes it's true, Uh she takes him to her lab and tries to get a sample of his blood. He refuses. No, he refuses. She can't get a sample of his blood. She does try. She does try. So, then she ups her game. She baits him. She realizes she's never going to get anything from him unless he becomes human. Finds out he's able to become (laughs) human. Baits him into becoming human. He finally is. She's able to get a sample from him. The next day, fakes her death so that she can use it to go into underground research and become one of the most successful, you know, cure cancer, do whatever. Uh Uh-huh. And fuck Cage. (laughs) It's all there. Okay. All right. Well, I think supporting your argument is the fact that she didn't look that bad when she was dying after being hit by a truck. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
Yeah. She just, yeah. So I, I, I have a theory about this movie as well. Cage Fighter Sean. I think that this whole movie is the origin story of Satan. Okay. <laughs> so, in the Bible, from what I understand, it is described that Satan originally was a fallen angel. Yep. And, well, uh... You know, he's he's asked what what his last name is, and he says Seth Plate. Yeah, well, I think I think what his last name really is uh-huh. is Seth Lucifer. Okay. And after wow. Seth falls, yeah, and becomes human, mm-hmm. and experiences tragedy. Experiences tragedy and what it is like to be human right he he comes to the conclusion that not all humans are worth saving yes and he finds a way after the movie to harness his former angelic powers mm-hmm. in order to create the underworld Man, now we need a sequel. I I I really like that theory and I wouldn't doubt if the writers actually discuss that idea. It's I think anytime you talk about an angel falling to earth, it's going to have a, a devil or lucifer analog discussion. So, I yeah, and I I asked the same thing about Michael with John Travolta. I want to know why John Travolta has an angel movie fallen angel movie and nick cage has a fallen angel movie that's what prompted face off that could be (laughs) uh but i i thought the movie would be so cheesy if she dies nick cage is now human cannot be an angel again but since she was such a good human she becomes an angel. She's she's actually she gets to break break that one rule because love overcomes, and she gets to watch over him in in all of his lives or something really cheesy. Yeah. That would be amazing. I think the premise of the movie it, it's a powerful idea. I just felt like it dragged, and it dragged. No, I also, yeah, I felt like it should have started when Nick Cage becomes human. And then Seth, like, through flashbacks or something, you kind of learn some of the details about before. Of course, you'd have to really heavily change the, like, operating scenes and and that kind of stuff. But pacing-wise, there was just so much Angel Cage stalking. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I ultimately, I didn't really understand the personalities with the uh, angels. Okay. Yeah, because Cage really doesn't have like a fully developed personality. But you know, suddenly he's... does when he becomes human. Yeah. Within 24 hours, he just he's just a normal person. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess tragedy will do that to you? Mm-hmm. I guess? <laughs> I always wondered, like, after you fall from being an angel i mean how do you how do you get started i mean like you don't have 
a social security number yeah. or like any money yeah. i mean like you gotta you you now need to like eat so like you, that's, you, that's you, what i'm wondering about the end of this movie like yeah like <laughs> how was he at her funeral and not like she Homeless. died. He ran over there, and he's like holding her dead body. And the cops show up, and like, "Excuse me, yeah. sir. You have, do you have no any ID. identification?" Yeah. They're like, "No, I don't even know what you're talking about. No problem, sir. Have a good day." Right. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you essentially would would fall from being an angel and would just be like homeless. Yeah. Like and, like arch enemy. Yeah. The dude was a superhero in his well, world. Like, he has to- the the other dude, Nathaniel, he 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 mentioned he talked about that, right? Like some of the challenges. He said there was like the hunger, and then figuring everything out, creating yeah. an identity, and mm-hmm. like there were tons of challenges, like getting it all figured out and getting started. So he admitted mm-hmm. that it was a huge pain in the ass, right? So I'm, my guess is that somehow he just did that for Cage, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a romance, so of course the core of the story, the theme is going to be love. Yeah. And the the one memorable line in the movie, let me find it. It it was the scene oh, where super uh, memorable, where Nick is explaining what what sex feels like. Because yeah. we because we really tell needed me, that it, in a, in it a feels movie. Like. I I loved it, and he was like, <laughs> um, uh. What am I allowed to say? Wet? <laughs> can I can I say wet <laughs> yeah, on here? That's right. Do you feel that? Yes. Tell me what it feels like. Warm. Aching. There, man. It's just it's awkward. I mean, yeah. we've seen so many of Nick's movies that it's hard for me to to still see him. Picking back up from his early films as the heartthrob dude, right? As the guy that the women just fawn over. I mean, he he was a very attractive man. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we all appreciate his level of attractiveness. Uh, I just didn't see him as I, I just I, again. He's not he's not the James Dean. He's not like these old school classic. He's not the um, Clint Eastwood. Well, that's Whatever. what I'm saying. It makes it makes a lot less sense that she fell in love with him, and more that she saw him as an opportunity at yeah, furthering her career. Yeah, yeah. But because <laughs> uh, there's no reason that she would fall in love with him. That's why yeah, you can't yeah. trust doctors. But he that's says right. the the famous quote is, "I would rather have had one breath of her hair, one kiss of her mouth, one touch of her hand, than eternity without it." One. Which. uh that was probably one of the poems that he wrote for the Valley Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, uh, when Nick Cage was in Valley Girl, when they were filming, he had a big crush on the lead actress and uh, wrote her love letters throughout filming. Which have uh, never been published. Hopefully someday. If this is a good opportunity, I can uh, drop in my little segment here for City of Angels. Okay. Two truths and a lie. First, Seth, Nick Cage's character in the movie, was originally supposed to be played by Johnny Depp. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Two. he would have brought that quirkiness to it. Maggie's character was originally supposed to be a smoker, but Meg Ryan refused to smoke. Reg Mayan? Meg Ryan. Okay. What a good girl. Three, the scaffolding scene where uh, Nathan, Nathaniel, Nathan, and Cage uh, are both sitting, talking on the scaffolding. Mm-hmm. That was shot for real. No CGI. All right. They put them up at heights and shot it. Can I go first? Yeah, go for it. I know that that one's true because I read that one. So it's one of the first two. Can, can you can you repeat them? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Johnny Depp was originally Johnny, pl- yeah. supposed to play Seth, and uh, Maggie's character was supposed to be a smoker until Meg Ryan refused to smoke for the character. I don't I don't think Meg Ryan is that goody two shoes. I think she's more of a method actress, or at least was, and would not would not have denied smoking. I, I, I could totally I've seen see. Her, I swear I've seen her smoke in a movie before. Yeah, or you know TMZ or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I could totally see Johnny Depp in this role. He probably would have brought something even more kind of wacky, bizarre to it. Would it have been more entertaining? I bet it would be less romantic, though, if it was Johnny Depp. It would probably be more Tim Burton-y, just because that's Johnny Depp. True. I bet the lie's hmm. Johnny Depp. So do you guys Do you guys have uh, choices? Yeah, I pick two. Number I pick two. one. You pick one? I don't know if I could see Johnny Depp in this. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess, apparently I, neither did the directors at the end of the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true. It actually, it actually was supposed to be Joe Manganiello, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, final answers. Yeah, final. You're not going to tell us the answers anyway, so yeah, that's Depends. it. I've I've considered I've considered. Do once we have or to beg you? Telling you the answer if you both uh-huh. guess it correctly. Oh, if we both guess it correctly. Yeah. Mm. If but both if we of both you guess, guess it wrong. No, if, if no one gets it, then no one gets it. But if you both guess correctly and I'm ousted, I can okay. agree. All right, so, all right, then I'll change my vote then, Steve. Okay. Johnny Johnny Depp being the role of uh, Seth. That's a lie. Well, that's just you cheating because you're just looking well, for an opportunity because you know that one of them is out. So if you, you are can a you are a fucking one. ass. You are an ass <laughs> All right, let's talk about leaving Las Vegas. Okay. I really wish you'd come home with me. You're so cute, and I'm really good in bed too. Believe me. No, okay. When your life is on the rocks and you can't remember how it got there. It's time to move on. We're gonna let you go, okay? Okay. What are you gonna do now? I thought I'd move out to Las Vegas. Ben wasn't planning to start a new life, and he wasn't asking for a second chance. But on the road to oblivion, he got lonely. If you'll come to my room for one hour, I will give you $500. Sarah thought her life was as it should be. And then she met Ben. Why don't you stay at my place tonight? Okay. 
Wow. Oh, you, you look extremely beautiful. I do. Come rain or come shine. And against all the odds, these two unlucky people fall head over heels. Nicholas Cage. <coughs> Nurse! Elizabeth Shue. So what's it tonight? Another 500 to watch you sleep. It looks like I'm with the right girl. Leaving Las Vegas. A family film. Definitely, definitely. Watch with your children. The younger, the better. I, uh, I, I, my son caught the last five minutes. He was super excited. <laughs> I'm shaking my head right now. And you know it was true. <laughs> Did you want to say something, Sean, before I read the synopsis? No, I was just okay. going to say we... <laughs> Because we all watched it, this one together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, the we last did. Scene. We 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 watched this together, and Steve's son did kind of come in during the last scene, but I don't think he could see anything. No, no. He was more well, we fixated did on, we on did the laugh. people uh, the, on the other screen than the movie on the, the one. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Leaving Las Vegas. Nicholas Cage plays Ben Sanderson, a Hollywood agent who has lost everything in his life due to his alcoholism. He loses his job, his family, and he makes the decision to drive to Las Vegas and drink himself to death. In Vegas, Ben meets a prostitute named Sarah, played by Elizabeth Shue, and fosters a strange and powerful friendship with her before the film descends into a carnival of depravity and tragedy. So Vegas... Vegas, the Basically. movie. Yeah, that's that's the basic plot. Uh, how did you think Cage did in this one? This again, this was his Academy Award-winning role. I I normally say what I think first, very selfishly. So, what do you guys think? The Academy just likes being sad, so this is right up their alley. It is a sad, depressing, dark movie. I didn't quite believe it when you first told me because Sean actually watched most of it before the rest of us. And I always thought that this movie, I knew that Cage was an alcoholic, but I thought it was a story of redemption. I thought he meets someone in Las Vegas. I, okay, I thought it was more of like a lost in translation kind of mm-hmm. vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a quirky, somewhat sad and dreary, but ultimately uplifting movie. And I was both mortified um, and intrigued to find out that it was absolutely the opposite. This is a movie that starts out near rock bottom and then just keeps falling. It just keeps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, this is the type of story you you would hear going to like an Alcoholics Anonymous uh, meeting. It's, oh yeah. It, it's very. This is not an uplifting film. No. And and the dialogue too it, it's it's biting. It's very realistic things that you would expect to hear in some of these situations. Again, we've got drug use, prostitution, you know, sex trafficking, we've got sexual violence and abuse and you see it all in this movie played out right in front of you. And uh, the, the 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 dialogue, the things they say you know, you wouldn't even expect it in an R movie. It's just like you would think 
80s, 90s. This is NC-17 level. Um, yeah. Language. Um, Although Cage does... G, right? It is not G, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I thought... I put it on, you know, on the TV in the living room, thinking it was, and had to turn it off very quickly, you know. Um, because it starts out with Cage just drunk off his ass. <laughs> I see. I mean, of course, being always, I I walk into these as ignorant as as possible, and so that's the best way. I was really expecting this to be like uh, one of the 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 casino movies, like Twenty One, or uh, that kind of vibe where you know you go in just like rock hard Vegas, so definitely lots of drinking and whatnot, definitely lots of alcoholism. But yeah, it was Mm -hmm. gonna be like just a a gambling in Vegas and like getting in trouble with the. with the the security and whatever and you know the typical i matched the typical kind of cage role so it, yeah, it made yeah. sense to me yeah but yeah uh, it starts yeah. out entertaining not expecting requiem for a dream right 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 yeah, that's a great comparison requiem for a dream yeah yeah same level of just yeah. rock bottom to further but i mean i gotta be honest when it starts out with cage being goofy goofy drunk it's funny Mm-hmm. And I think that was intentional because when you see somebody acting that way, whether at a bar or wherever, it's kind of like, wow, that's that's entertaining how that person is is acting. And then you start to realize, oh, they're really drunk. They're not. It's not a good position to be in. And this character, Cage's character, Ben, it starts out with him shopping for beer in a, a really funny kind of way. He's drunk, and uh, Steve made the comment. No, it was Sean. You said. It- He's getting ready for a colossal con or something. <laughs> just, your, just your typical anime convention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's got to borrow money from one of his colleagues. He works as a Hollywood agent and loses his job. He goes to this bar and is just drinking his ass off at the bar. And just one of the first scenes, he comes on very strong to this girl at the bar. And I mean, it is like I've never heard anyone in real life. <laughs> Yeah. This heavily try to pick someone up, uh, and it, it's it, it's even too much for the the barman. Yeah, the barman is like, hey man, you better back off. It starts out like kind of hilarious. You get a couple cage outs. Mm-hmm. You know, he come back to my house on the beach. Yep. And then and then it and then it just gets real sad. It does. And it does. He gets a nice severance from his company when he's fired, and he decides to use that to travel to Vegas and uh, drink himself to death, you know? And it's just so depressing because somebody said, you ask somebody, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm going to drink myself to death, you know? Yeah. It's, it sounds like a joke, but no, like, that's his goal to yeah. drink himself to death. There's a scene early on where he uh, he's at a, at a strip club and. He's sitting next to this old guy, and he pulls out, like, a little bottle of whiskey or something from his jacket, and he's just like, oh, I want a drink, and then, you know, he, you see him just down the entire bottle, and the guy just looks at him like, dude, what, what the, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, right. And, and then it kind of just goes into this, like, you know, blackout scene him like mm-hmm. getting a prostitute she steals his uh wedding ring That's right. or and yep. uh yeah it 
you know, you see him, like, exhibiting all this really goofy behavior, which, I mean, it's, it's pretty hilarious, but then you think about it and you're like, this is, this is really sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, they, they even have a scene with him doing his job. He's on the phone, and he has uh, another colleague come in to tell him that the boss wants to see him, but it's actually kind of a long scene, and my first impression of that scene was that it was kind of setting up um, something like Wolf of Wall Street. Like, oh, this is just how he does his job. I mean, he's obviously uh, drunk off his mind, but he's able to to do his job this way. You know what I mean? But no, it's actually darker than that. This is the scene. This is where he gets fired. I mean, he was he was on the phone and it was upside down. So. Oh yeah, yep. So he drives out to Vegas. Um, he drinks while driving in front of police. Um, almost takes out the the female lead, Elizabeth Shue, Sarah, who um, chastises him. And then he checks himself into a motel called The Whole Year Inn, but he hallucinates that it says The Whole Your Inn. Some pretty nice visual effects that kind of mess with you. You know, one, one symptom of severe alcoholism is hallucinations. So there were periods where I was questioning, are they going to play with that a little bit more? But I think that, that might be uh, one example. Um, Sarah is a prostitute in Vegas. She works for a Latvian pimp, Latvian immigrant named Yuri Butso. And they have one uh, not-so-healthy relationship, the two of them. Um, you discover that he regularly beats her, abuses her. Um, there's a sex scene between them where she is, like, she's got dead eyes. And it's hard to watch um and it makes it extra sad when she finally she meets with cage who begs her to come to his place right for a time for a trick and she says well my life is good i think my life is finally good i'm at a good place now and then you think my god i wonder what your life was like before (laughs) yeah And, and throughout the throughout the movie you see her like uh, doing monologues and she's uh, speaking with a, a therapist. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, so you you get into her head pretty early on, and you find out that that's actually after the events of the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What, what happens is Ben invites Sarah to his room. He's, he says he's going to pay her five hundred bucks for them to have sex, but that's not actually what he wants. He just wants companionship. He just wants somebody to be there. So they kind of create this, um, they kind of have this strange agreement between them. Um, and what happens with her pimp is he ends up getting killed. She, she's not making enough money, right? And he gets killed. Now she's on her own completely. And so she just, they decide to use each other mutually even though they both know that this is a doomed relationship. You know, eventually he's going to die of his alcoholism or, or what, end up in prison. She's going to end up probably in the hands of some other pimp. Who knows? So it's basically them riding out this relationship. And it's right, it's pretty much a non-sexual relationship, but there is some 
some sex that starts to happen, some sexual things that happen between them. Um, and it's obvious that Sarah does not like Cage's alcoholism. I mean, it gets out of hand quite often. But the one rule that they have that he sets is you cannot ever force me to stop drinking. So you just, you continue the movie knowing that that's the one rule. And yeah, I mean, she pretty much abides by it until the end. Rule number one about living together is we don't talk about my drinking. Rule number two is we don't talk about my drinking. Horrible things happen to Sarah throughout the movie. She continues seeing clients. She is, Some good uh, things happen to her too. Sure. Sure. I mean, we it's always good to look at the positive she got some new experiences nick nick talks about uh bill cosby when with his penis in her mouth uh yeah yeah great grandparents movie oh bill cosby they they go to a food court uh which apparently serves beer which Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm vegas baby yeah um Oh, early on, the I, I think uh, you know one a really impressive scene that they had before he even gets to Vegas. Um, they had this one scene where he's waiting in line at the at the bank, and uh, he goes to to cash a check, and you know you just see him fully like his face is just like white, yeah, and uh, you know they basically are, are really accurately depicting just how people with severe alcoholism go through yeah. withdrawal where um, you know you they can't even function in, until they've had a drink for the day mm-hmm. and you know Cage can't even like his hands are like shaking and he's just like yeah so in need of like a drink that he can't even sign a check and uh <sighs> Which I still ask. I, I swear to God, that bank teller was his ex-wife. No. I, she looks similar. What was the deal? Why no. was she such an important character? Because he was, for that moment, attracted to her. That's all. He was attracted to her? Yeah, right? I That's what I'm saying. I, I didn't get that impression. I got the impression that he was intimidated by her. He is intimidated slash attracted. He, he, that's he, why I thought it was his, his ex-wife, because she was I working think at the uses, bank. And he he, uses, he like, uses flirting as a defense mechanism. He had a, he had a fear boner. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. Yeah. I, the reason I believe Cage won the award the academy award for this role is not just portraying an alcoholic but very acutely portraying someone trying to hide severe alcoholism trying their hardest to function when it's become too far too aggressive too much i mean he he lives it in every scene you believe that uh he's seriously dealing with something I mean, a more contemporary example might be like um, Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. You know, I thought that that kind of performance where this person is very seriously dealing with a mental illness. And this is an accurate depiction of that. It's just such a... It, it's, it's hard to chew 
that it starts out this low though and it's like you have these little bumps of happiness and it's but you just know that it's a train wreck it's it's leading to a train wreck which it does yeah and it really shows that like you know certain people can just be really bad for each other and and it's it's very clear that you know both of the characters in this movie are both enablers for each other's problems right and you know uh, when you have two enablers uh, all you can really do is go down yeah ride it out yeah yeah very realistic feeling story and that I'm sure can be attributed to the the author who lived this. And Roger Ebert, I read his review of the movie, and he, he made a very interesting statement about how if this movie makes you feel uncomfortable, you should be happy that you haven't lived it. Yeah. Because for the people who've lived it, they can identify with it. Yeah. And, yeah, it's got to be true with this one. Um, yeah, but what happens... Um, I guess we'll just skip to the <laughs> the tragedy at the end. Um, she finally tries to get him to go to the hospital. And he refuses. He, he's pretty pissed about that because that's kind of breaking the one rule. Don't ask me to stop drinking. Yep. And then she comes home from her prostitution gig one day and he has picked up another girl. And she's in the bed with him. And Sarah doesn't like that and kicks him out. After that, you you don't see Nick Cage for a while. I was thinking, oh, man, I hope she doesn't find his body. But she pretty much does. I mean, he's on his deathbed in another motel. And they... <laughs> very, um... Metaphorically? No, what am I trying to say? Very symbolically, they have coitus. They have sex. She she sucks the soul out of him. Yeah, and he he passes on. And then there's one last scene from uh, her whatever therapy session. Well, there was that uh, that one scene before that. that yeah, was what am I missing? Pretty, I what was that? With the uh, the dude bros. Oh yeah yeah I can't miss that yeah that's before Cage dies but. Uh, she goes out and decides to hook up with these teen boys that take her back to their hotel and they brutally rape her yeah Yeah. that that was hard to watch yep yep and then that's that's when she gets the call from ben and finds out where he is and goes to be with him as he dies and then uh yeah scene with scene with the uh the worst uh taxi driver ever right why a guy landlords yeah, that was definitely oh, yeah. a running theme, you know, people in positions of, of power. Even, like, regular, everyday people, you would expect to, to have an obligation to be at least somewhat nice. Just talk yeah. shit. Yeah. The prostitutes and the the nightlife people. Yeah, as if, like, they're not even human. Yeah. Leaving Las Vegas, everybody! Woo! He's a prickly pear! I still want to go to Vegas, though. I'm not going to let this one movie get me down. Just just, just don't watch it before you go. Do you have any theories for this one, Stevie? 
Do I have any you, theories? Yeah. On, on just different takes of I, the movie? I, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this movie, and I know you're holding yourself back. <laughs> Th- this could actually be a sequel to the other one. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> City of Angels leads right into leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> After the death of Meg Ryan, he develops severe alcoholism and, uh... Yeah, right? Goes off the deep end. Just lost it. Yeah. But he had kids, though, in that photo. He might be using someone else's photo. We watched this together. It was a very unifying experience. Steve definitely had a lot of thoughts as we were watching it. Um, yeah. Does it make you want to go to Vegas? I mean... I'm always I'm always interested. I think there's a lot of uh, good opportunities there. I think uh, I mean I think clearly everybody was uh, just happy in their lives. Uh, that was kind of the overarching point of the movie, right? Is that so, everybody leads their own lives and you shouldn't you shouldn't shame each other. Yeah, yeah. So they made the decisions that they did. It was their choices. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. we so shouldn't should be just... sad that these horrible things happen to them. Right. Okay. Just <laughs> so it is a motivational film. Yeah, yeah. All right. Like if you if you want to do bad things, all you have to do is just uh-huh. do them. Yeah. Don't worry about how it turns out. Right. And just watch out for unwanted uh backdoor deliveries yeah yeah no but i mean truthfully it's a it's a great nuance that uh, if you just expect that good things are going to happen even though you don't actively make a decision on it Mm. it's the movies like these are are a great window into what that leads to just passive passive desires never lead to things unless you're able to make an active decision and actively yeah it doesn't the movie doesn't seem like it's trying to drill a moral message into your head. It's you know? it's yeah, it's an anti-message, right? And sometimes that responds better. It's it's not mm-hmm. the this is what you should do. It's here's yeah. a here's a vision right. of, of what it is that you it's, think you want. It's like uh, it's like the girl next door, right? <laughs> the, yeah, the non-romantic comedy one. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've brought it up before in the podcast. It is a very disturbing film about a young girl being brutally murdered by her neighbors. Um, yeah, that doesn't seem to have any kind of moral message. It's just, hey, this is probably what it would be like. Um, so I would not recommend watching that. Would you? Would you recommend uh, Girl Next Door, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. I always recommend it to everybody because I want everyone else to to share in my pain. Yeah, we're all still healing after that. Jesus. Yeah. Well, final thoughts on leaving Las Vegas. Anything? They they certainly did leave. I I do have uh, another little round of uh, two truths and a lie for you. All right, all right. You ready for it? Yep. Uh, Nick actually practiced for this role by getting trashed and talking up hookers. God, I don't want to say it's fake, but I can believe it. 
Some of the outdoor scenes in this movie were shot in one take so they could avoid the, the cops because they didn't get permits. Okay. Three. Nick actually almost uh, ruined his marriage by staying up all night with a prostitute. I know number two is true. One and three. I bet it's number one. Yeah, you too. I mean, he's ruined a lot of marriages. So. Yeah. Number one. We say number one. Number one. Huh. It's not, we're not right? So it's number three. I don't know. You didn't tell us, so it's got to be number three. Who knows? I feel like I'm talking to those damn Muppets in Labyrinth. <laughs> trying, to get, trying to get through the door. Oh. <laughs> well, I do know that they didn't have permits and that uh, it was shot on location uh, where they were sometimes sending the actors into real-life situations. That's interesting. Maybe the pimp was was a real pimp. And that's why they had to kill him. Oh, this is for a movie? That's just a theory. Any final thoughts? Nothing that I want to go on record saying. Yeah, I appreciate that, Steve. Yeah. There's, uh... I'll have nightmares for a little while. You'll have nightmares from this one? Yeah. Okay. Shall we get to the cage fight, fellas? Let's do it. You ready, Steve? The next segment? Yeah. Okay. It's Sean. You know, I I almost want to say City of Angels because I almost don't want leaving Las Vegas to advance just because it was so hard to get through uh-huh. because of how sad it was. Yeah. But I mean, just from a technical standpoint, I mean, I don't... It, it's hard to argue that leaving Las Vegas isn't the superior film. So, mm. uh... You know, okay. I, I think I'm gonna have to go with leaving Las Vegas. I All think right. it's pretty clear... All right, Sean is leaving Las Vegas. Uh, Steve. So, I agree with a lot of what Sean's saying. That's good. But I look at this in two ways, right? So you have leaving Las Vegas that gave you this method acting experience with, with Cage going in as a true alcoholic and really getting involved with his character and really selling it. And then you've got the other one where you've got the extremist uh, insanity version of Cage. The one where he's really creepy. The one where he, like, makes you question whether he's being satire or whether he's mm-hmm. taking the role seriously. Okay. And, you know, that that uh, that uniqueness that is Nicolas Cage as an actor. And, and for me, I think that's really what sells City of Angels is really the sense that, I mean... 
you put this into a, like a, like a normal actor, or you like you even the director, the the writer, whoever put this movie together. I guarantee that when they envisioned this entire thing, they didn't see Nick's face. <laughs> All right. But when it's all said, done, cut, and put out there, uh-huh. they see his his goofy expressions, his ridiculousness, uh-huh. where you don't know if he's if he's trolling or yeah. if he's being genuine. Yeah, and I, I think that is the classic gold that is Nicolas Cage, and I think that is what we so come here to see. Are you implying? Are you implying that the creators of City of Angels regret? casting Nick Cage as Absolutely the not. Absolutely not. Okay. It, because it's one of those things that, I mean, gold is gold, regardless of whether or not you were <laughs> you came looking for it. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. If you, you know, you, you might have been panning for silver, but mm-hmm. you came across that's, gold. And I that's, think that's a Tommy Wiseau philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they were going for another Meg Ryan hookup movie. Yeah. It's just long and forgotten, like that piece of trash you've got mail. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it instead, didn't. It wasn't. You're saying it wasn't aspiring to be a kind of uh, higher art film, right? Yeah. To be dice. Yeah. No, it's supposed to be a simple fallen yeah, it was angel. A turn and burn. Yeah. <laughs> turn and burn. <laughs> turn and burn. Yeah. Yep. We got the script. Do it. Well, this doesn't yeah. make sense. We gotta just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, but I think it it exceeded expectations. I mean, Las leaving Las Vegas, it sought out to make a point. It sought yeah. out to be, you know, something that was thought provoking and meaningful and powerful. But mm-hmm. City of Angels was supposed to be trash. Okay, man, that that actually opens my mind up a little bit. Uh, but I feel like they really tried with the. The cinematography, you know, how they would have these kind of artsy shots of the ceiling and the people, the angels in their black trench coats and the slow motion swimming. They were they were really trying to do some emotional, artful filmmaking along with the, uh, you know, romantic cheese. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I respect your opinion, Steve. But basically, I just I enjoyed in a dark way leaving Las Vegas more than City of Angels. I, and Why, I'm more of a fear bonner. Listen, I'm more of a romantic person. I would have easily fallen in, lo- in love with Meg Ryan too, whether I was an angel or poltergeist. I mean, she should have been in the newer <laughs> Ghostbusters. I would have been a ghost. It would have been the romance of the century. Well, she's a little older now, but that's fine. That's that's fine. That's life. That's what happens to humans. We are in a mortal world here. So, <laughs> leaving Las Vegas, I just liked that it went all the way. It says from the beginning, "Hey, this movie is a dark movie. We're going to Vegas, and it's going to get darker, and we're going to take it all the way. We're not going to." You know, a lot of movies like this will cut early when you know that the tragedy is still going to happen, but they don't show you. At least today, I see a lot of movies like that. This one just takes... You go all the way, baby. And I appreciate that. No, I didn't actually enjoy every scene, but I did I did find it interesting watching the performances a lot more in each scene. How they played those characters in that specific point of the script. And it came together to make a pretty impressive, dark, 
tragedy. Um, and I also liked that it wasn't the same kind of forbidden love story like City of Angels. I mean, it's just more cheese, again. An angel and a human. John Travolta, everybody. I mean, congratulations, you agree with 2.3 billion other people in the world. Huh. Well, I guess. I, I, I didn't, it wasn't the movie I expected, but I also gave City of Angels a chance. I really did. Uh, but clearly again, I know I said this before on the podcast. I don't know if I'd want to, I'd have to be in the mood to rewatch leaving Las Vegas. I could stomach city of angels probably any time, but I wouldn't actively watch it. Whereas I'd have to be in the mood and I would probably be actively watching leaving Las Vegas, just like Requiem for a dream. For example, I don't, you know, that's not something you normally put on in the background while you're cooking (laughs) in the kitchen or something. <laughs> don't yeah. don't talk about my Saturday routine. Yeah, I also I read the Requiem for a Dream, the novel. I think is uh, Hubert Selby Jr. I think is the guy's name, and it, it's pretty good. It's also very real. Yeah. So leaving Las Vegas is our winner. Uh, we agree with the critics here, except for Steve. Um, we are going to give Nick Cage the. Uh, late night cage fight academy award uh it's it's our brand of it for his role very good uh alcoholic rendition do you think this movie would have would have benefited from being a musical how uh how easy is it to to sing while inebriated not very no what was it i mean Uh, unless it's karaoke yeah, maybe uh, it should have been a, a karaoke-focused film. I did like Cage's singing a lot in uh, not Moonwalker. That's James Bond. What is it? Racing with the Moon. I still have to watch that one. All right, our winner is Leaving Las Vegas. Then that brings us to the end of our versus Cage match for tonight. Next up, fellas, we're going to have Con Air versus Face Off. This is going to be a huge tonal shift. We're going from depressing, romantic, supernatural to uh, just straight-up action. Does Face Off have a, a cameo from uh, Face from Nick Nick Jr.? <laughs> That's a conspiracy waiting to be discussed. Nick Jr. has something <laughs> called Face. And what happens when you take it off? Oh, man. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You haven't seen Face Off? Take it off. I haven't seen either. Okay. I have seen Face Off. Face Off and what? And Con Air. Oh, I've seen both of them. Have you? I don't remember Con Air. I was so young. I think my stepdad had it on VHS. Yeah. Yeah, Back when any action movie just felt super adult and mature. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is real life. Prisoners on a plane. This shit happens. Yeah. Hijacking the plane. Yeah. That's going to be an exciting one. That will also be the last cage fight for season three of Late Night Cage Fight. So uh, look forward to that. Um, Any final thoughts, fellas? The golden age of cage continues. That's right. Steve, any final thoughts? Um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm disappointed. Are you really? A little bit. A little bit. That we're going to move leaving Las Vegas on 
into a final round because that means that somebody yeah. is going to be stuck defending that yeah. for the cage fight. Right. Um, and I just want to be clear here and now, that's on you guys. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So you're, you're not gonna I touch feel that like prepared to delve deeper into that mm-hmm. uh, when one of you winds up having to oh, man. defend it for the I final cage fight. Steve is basically saying, you guys have made your choice. Now prepare to live with your decision. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I feel like man. whoever has to defend that one should do so just completely wasted so whoever that sounded like you were volunteering <laughs> oh all right guys well thank you for joining oh, me tonight oh kevin <laughs> could you we we force him to watch leaving las vegas and then do the the cage fight i like that but he has to he has to be completely <laughs> drunk for a week straight before watching it. <laughs> and then he has to remain drunk for another week before we do the recording. I will ask him. That's the best I can do. <laughs> Maybe he'll negotiate one round. Yeah. Woof. Wow, what amazing films. We are just tearing through the golden age of Cage. Thank you for joining Late Night Cage Fight. I'm Cage Fighter Reese. I'm here with Cage Fighter Sean and Cage Fighter Steve. We'll catch you next time. Later. Come on. Stay sober.